When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Heat Check Podcast. Um, it is officially the off-season. I have Barry Jackson with me, uh, my colleague from the Miami Herald. Uh, David Wilson is out this week. He is traveling back from Las Vegas and the unfortunate ending of the Panther season. Um, Barry, how are you? Hi, Anthony. Good to be with you. It seems like we've been covering playoffs for eight months. <laughs> it really has. It's been a long, long two months and and really two months that I don't think any of us expected. Um for the Heat and the Panthers. Um, obviously, if you're listening to this podcast, you most definitely already know the Heat season ended on Monday. Um, they lost 4-1 in the NBA Finals. It was, you know, it's crazy to say any season without a championship is a success, but the Heat season was a success. I mean, as an eight seed to get to the NBA Finals, um, just incredible, memorable moments that were produced during those, you know, six, six to eight weeks. Um, and really a season that was kind of going to be forgettable for the most part, Barry, I think really turned into one of the most memorable heat seasons in franchise history, which is a testament to what this team did, uh, you know, during this stretch. And what what lasting memories will you have kind of from this run, Barry? Just how remarkable it is that they beat both Boston and Milwaukee, two teams that seemed infinitely better than them during the regular season. And to beat both is just stunning to me. And I think any fan should be happy if a team is able to maximize what they have. And Mm -hmm. the Heat did that and beyond. I mean, a case could be made that they overachieved. I know you and I believed during the regular season that they underachieved, that their talent was actually better than 44 and 38, and their talent wasn't as bad as people were saying as the season progressed, even though everyone knew that they could use more. But I think to get this far was overachieving because you couldn't really make the case that without Hero, the Heat had a better roster than Milwaukee and Boston. Their, Their talent, I still think, was underestimated all year. But to beat those two teams and to handle the Knicks, who obviously were playing extremely well, is just incredible achievement. And I think also what's good about this run is you get clarity in terms of who you want to build around. And even though Bam obviously struggled offensively at times, I think most reasonable people can emerge from this run saying, look, he's a valuable piece. He does so many things. Yes, there are going to be ups and downs with the scoring, but all of the other things he gives you contribute so much toward winning, as Spo would say. Mm-hmm. And I think now there's an appreciation of that from maybe casual fans or even some serious Heat fans who are just persuaded at times by the offensive production in trying to gauge BAM's value. So from a player standpoint, I think BAM's importance has been reinforced during this run. Uh, also, Caleb Martin, at his best, we see what he was against Boston and think, well, Maybe against teams that don't have particularly big front lines, he can be an effective NBA starting power forward. 
what for you were the player takeaways? What guys jump out to you? We haven't even mentioned Duncan yet, but what guys yeah. jump out to you as people whose perception of them maybe has changed a little bit from this run? I think Caleb for sure. I think he might be number one on the list because you know, I think entering the playoffs, people saw him as a good role player, but there were times in the playoffs where he was, people would say he was one of the better role players in the NBA, right? Like one of the best reserves in the NBA, especially in the Eastern Conference Finals. I know he didn't have a good final series, uh, but I just think the perception around him right now compared to where it was maybe three months ago um, is a lot different. I think most people would consider him one of the best bench role players, however you want to describe him in the NBA, honestly. Um, so I think he's number one. I think Bam is a good one, like you mentioned. I think most people who watch the Heat kind of understood the Bam's value, right? Where he, what he can do defensively, um, his unique skill set offensively, even though you know he's not a finished product on that end. But I think it was highlighted during this run. Um, he took on so many challenges, whether it was guarding Giannis or Brooke in the first round. In the second round, shutting down Julius Randle. In the Eastern Conference Finals, um, playing uh, the Boston's big front line really well and also switching out to Tatum and Brown when he needed to. And then in the NBA Finals, I know Jokic had a big series, but Bam did as good as he possibly could, could against that guy. So um, he just took on every challenge and was... Um, you could just tell how good of a defender he was. So I think Bam and Caleb are one and two. I think obviously Gabe had his moments during the playoffs, especially um, I think it was that maybe the second round or third or might've been, I, I forget, but he had one series that he was just tremendous. And they had that one big game in the finals as well. Um, and then Jimmy, I think everyone knew how good he was, but that first round was all time great. Right. Like I, I think we can't, that, we can't forget about his first round series against the Bucks and what he did. He basically turned into Michael Jordan for five games. Um, and just kind of, again, reminded people that he, even though he wasn't named an all-star this year, he's never been first team all NBA. He's a top 10 player in the league when he's healthy, a top 10 two-way player. I think that was pretty clear uh, for most of the playoffs. I agree on all of those fronts. And just to talk a little bit more about Duncan, who I quickly mentioned, I think he helped himself as much as any player sure. in this run because he went from a guy who seemingly had an albatross contract that would be extremely difficult to move, do essentially 16 to 18 million each of the next three years, to someone who you could clearly see a rotation spot on most teams uh, because of his ability, obviously, to shoot from threes. He, Got back to himself in that regard, shooting 44.2% on threes in these playoffs, much closer to his 40% career average than what we saw in the regular season when he was at 32 this season. And we also saw how he diversified his game, how he was able to cut to the basket, uh, drive to either finish himself, and he became a very good finisher, or to pass the teammates. And also just the cutting ability, which I think uh, is sometimes overlooked, what that does sure. in terms of creating uh, opportunities for the Heat offensively uh, that otherwise wouldn't be there if you didn't have a player as active as him. I found it interesting during the postseason this year, he ran two miles per 48 minutes on offense, which led the team. Uh, so that just shows you the value of being in constant motion, kind of like a yeah. bumblebee. So to me, Robinson helped himself either reinforcing the notion uh, that the Heat had when they gave him all this money that he's a key rotation piece or helping his trade stock where now you could easily see a team taking him and viewing him as an asset more than a burden and not necessarily asking the Heat for a carrot to entice them sure. to take Duncan Robinson. You could see him now included in a package for a Lillard or a Beal or whomever. 
Yeah. Speaking of Lillard and Beal, it's a good segue, professional segue, Barry. Um, Excellent work. <laughs> the offseason is obviously here. Uh, it was a great run, but the attention now shifts um, to transaction season. NBA, it's a favorite of NBA fans, right? It's like uh, the best. It's like Christmas Day for most NBA fans. Um, and there's already, he has already been linked to Damian Lillard, uh, obviously. And then today, we're recording this on Wednesday. Um, multiple national reporters uh, kind of at the same time came out the news that the Wizards and and Beal worked together to, to find a trade for him if kind of they go in a rebuild direction. Um, the Heat have long been mentioned as a team that's been interested in Bradley Beal. I think we've both reported that they have had interest in the past, right, multiple times. Um, Bradley Beal is entering the second season of a huge two, a five-year $251 million contract. He has a no trade clause. Um, what's your take, Barry? What do you think? Should the Heat go after Bradley Beal? I would not do it for Tyler Hero simply because uh, even though Beal is a better player, he's six years older. He's due to make uh, $207 million over the next four years compared to $130 million per Hero. And in NBA money, that's not merely a difference of 80 million. That's a difference of about a quarter of a billion dollars because of what it does to your luxury tax. There would be enormous luxury tax payments resulting from getting Bradley Beal. So for that reason, I don't do it for package involving hero. Now, if you're talking about a package involving Kyle Lowry's expiring contract, Victor Oladipo's expiring contract, maybe a first round pick, and then either uh, Nikola Jokic uh, or uh, Caleb Martin, you'd need either Jokic and Highsmith or Martin. Then you get to thinking about it because he is an all-star player. He's coming off a year in which he missed a lot of games, as he often does due to injury, but he also shot a career-high 50.6% from the field. So I would definitely consider doing it if you just have to give up uh, diminished or distressed assets to do it, but with the caveat that there would be a very big tax bill for years to come, and it's not our money, right? I mean, ultimately, yes. if you're doing it without thinking about what Mickey Harrison would need to pay, then you say, of course, if you can trade Kyle Lowry and Oladipa's expiring contracts, and then maybe uh, Jokic and Highsmith to make the math work, plus maybe a number one. Yeah. I'm not even sure about the number one. Then, of course, in a vacuum, you would say yes, but the money and the tax incurred would be the reason to even rethink that. But I definitely would not do it uh, for a package built around Hero because of those reasons we mentioned. How about you? Yeah, I, I I totally agree with you. I think not only is Hero younger and a kind of a better contract at this point, and you can make the argument he's not that far off of Beal, you know, um, especially with Beal getting older. Um, but the other point is Beal has the leverage here, right? Like, and the Heat have leverage because he has a no trade clause. So why would the Heat, if he wants to come to the Heat, and that's maybe just hypothetically, that's the only team he wants to be traded to or one of two or three teams he wants to be traded to, and the Wizards are already set on dealing him, they they really don't have much leverage to to, uh, to ask for Hero if the Heat don't want to include him in a package. So I think that's a big part of it as well. Um, and I think, yeah, I would, I would, if it doesn't include, uh, obviously Bam or Jimmy and then hero, and you're not, you're keeping your three best players while also trading for a talent like Beal, I would do it. I think it's pretty clear. I know the tax bill is going to be a concern in the future seasons, but the heat have shown the ability to either shed money when they need to, right. 
um, maybe in the next off season. I mean, they'll have some time to do that before next season, obviously, avoid, you know, two seasons away. Um, so I, I think you, you would do it if they're willing to accept a package that does not include hero. I, I, I agree with you. And I, now, would, I ahead, wouldn't bro. worry about what you're going to do with hero. If you get the opportunity to get Beal for yeah. a Lowry Oladipo built package, I would just say, sure. That's great value in terms of getting sure, yeah. far the best player in the deal. Yeah. You'd have to accept the tax consequences. And at that point, you would resolve, okay, who do you want your what starting backcourt yeah. to be? Do you want Hero to be a pseudo point guard with Jimmy and Bam and not have a natural point guard and play Hero and, and Beal together? Do you want to return Hero to the six-man role, presuming that he'd be willing to accept that? That, that would obviously be a question. Yeah. Or at that point, do you want to take what are your best assets at that point, which would be Hero and three number one picks? and then see if you can flip them at that point for Lillard or somebody else. So at the time of our taping on Wednesday afternoon, uh, you are aware, Anthony Chang, that I've been looking yes, I was about the to last ask couple yeah. of hours yeah. Yeah. for a story that will be posted on MiamiHerald.com uh, later uh, about how the Heat could acquire Lillard and Beal. And I'm not going to get into all the particulars of it. It'll be in the story That'll be on MiamiHerald.com, but it's extremely doable. The only negative would be a very high tax bill for the heat. And also because of the tax consequences and limitations with what you'd have with exception money, you basically wouldn't have any exception money. You'd have to fill out the roster with minimum contracts or using bird rights to pay Vincent and Struess, which would send your high tax bill to just obscene levels. So uh, there is a path to have a big four, Butler, Bam, Lillard, and Beal, and keep Caleb Martin if, if, here's the huge if, Portland and Washington cooperate, and if Beal and Lillard try to force their way specifically to the heat, Beal can do it because he's got no trade clause. Lillard could try to exercise that power and ask Portland to send him to Miami, but we don't know if the Blazers would do it. And at the time of this taping, it's very much unclear which of those two players will be available. With Beal, the reports today uh, have been that uh, Washington is willing to move him and work with him on a trade if their new president of basketball operations, Michael Singer, opts to rebuild or retool, which is a good possibility. As for Lillard, even though he has said all offseason that it would require a conversation with the Blazers if they don't build a competitive team around him, even though his buddy and former teammate C.J. McCollum has said he thinks Lillard will be elsewhere next season, in spite of all that, there was the Brian Windhorst report yeah. today saying that nothing is percolating with Lillard. He appears likely to stay in Portland at this time. Portland wants to keep him. So this is going to play out over the next two weeks. If the Blazers select a player at number three and don't trade that pick, for an established veteran that could get Portland into pseudo contention, then obviously Lillard could ask for a trade. But even if they use the pick on a young player, it's not assured that Lillard sure. would ask for a trade. So, so much still has to play out with those two. Uh, I know you have feelings about uh, Dame. Tell me, tell me your thoughts on how good a fit you think he would be with Miami. I think it'd be the perfect fit. I think it would be basketball nirvana. Like, I think he'd be so good, like, next to Bam and Jimmy. Um, you know, Dame and Bam picking rolls with Jimmy cutting on the baseline. That's like the Warriors stuff. Like, with basically, Bam would be Draymond and Dame would be Steph. And then you'd have Jimmy floating on the baseline, playing off the ball and doing what he does. It'd be a great, great fit. 
I believe. Um, he would take a lot of the on-ball responsibilities away from Bam and Jimmy, which is always good, I think. Um, so, yeah, I think I, to me, that's the guy, right? Um, and even if you don't know if Dame is going to be available or not, he might stay with Portland to start the season. Who knows? If you're able to keep Tyler Hero in a potential Bradley Beal deal, um, then you still have Tyler Hero on the table, right? Where if Dame does ask for a trade in the middle of the season, you still have that piece where you could offer. So I think it's important, as much as I think you and I both love Tyler Hero and think, think very highly of him, um, and we would not include him in, in a Bradley Beal trade, it's just like last year with Kevin Durant. There are some players that it's honestly a sign of respect for Tyler Hero that he would be offered for a player like Dame or Kevin Durant, right? Um, those are two of the best players in the NBA. So, yes, I I would go all out for Damian Lillard if as long as it doesn't include Bam or Jimmy. I was going to ask you, you mentioned the tax bill. In your hypothetical scenario, without going into detail what it would include, how about how high would the tax bill be um, if they try to trade for both of them? It, it would be over 120 million. So you'd have to, and that's even without keeping Vincent and Struess. So you'd have to obviously think long and hard about that. Does Mickey Harrison have the money? Absolutely. Yeah. Is it too much to ask an owner to pay that sort of luxury tax bill? I guess that's subjective. You could make the case yeah. that it's not if you have the money and if you want to build a team, not for the ages, but a team that would be the Eastern Conference frontrunner sure. going into the season. But at the same time, you could also understand if an owner does not want to pay that much in luxury taxes. The Warriors have paid $170 million, but their revenues far exceed Miami's. So it's one thing to ask the Warriors owner to do it. It's another thing to ask most yeah. other owners outside New York and the Bay Area to do it. Yeah, and for perspective, two teams last year paid over $100 million in luxury taxes, and that was Golden State, like you mentioned, and the Clippers. Golden State paid $163 million in luxury taxes. The Clippers paid 140 So, again, like you said, teams have done it. There aren't many teams who will do it, right? Um, but that is going to, you know, if – if it is a possibility, and that's again, this is all hypothetical. If they it does become a possibility or realistic scenario where they can trade for Beal and Dame, the question will be how far are the Heat, Mickey, Nick willing to go to put a team like that together? Because that is it's not again, it's not our money, but that is a lot of money for anybody. Um, so yes, I think that's we have to point that out. And one thing more on the math, uh, the numbers that I ran today, if you had the big four that we're talking about with Lillard and Beal, Butler, Bam, plus Martin, and then filled out the entire rest of the roster with minimums, then you could keep your tax bill to $108 million. So $120 would be if you add a player at more than the minimum, or it'd be well over $120 For if you keep here. Gabe or Max, or Max using yeah. their bird rights. So to me, it's very doable if Lillard and uh, Beal want to be here. To me, then, it's a question of how little Washington is willing to accept just to move off the $208 million that Beal is still owed and ownership's willingness to pay luxury tax. It's one thing to be willing to pay a nominal tax, $30 million, $40 million. It's another thing to ask your owner to pay $108 million in luxury taxes. The other thing to keep in mind with Beal uh, would be the no-trade clause because you inherit that if you get his contract. So if Bradley Beal is an awful player four years from now, injury riddled, can't help you at all. Mm -hmm. You're paying $57 million to a guy whose deal you cannot move off of, That's even a if a team wants yeah. an expiring deal for other players that they want to move off of without his cooperation because of no trade clause. So by getting Beal, 
regardless of what you do with Hero, you're basically saying we have a four-year window now where we will be a tax team, we'll be a repeater tax team, repeater which is punitive. Worse. Yeah. We'll be a, a team that has no cap space, no exceptions. So our core is Beal, Butler, Bam, and either Hero or what you choose to parlay Hero into on the trade yeah. market. And this is our team. We will surround you with minimums. We will be a team over the second apron, which to educate some of our listeners who don't know, second apron is teams that are 17 and a half million over the luxury tax line. So this coming off season and season, that's going to be around 179 million. The Heat projects to be a second apron team. Second apron teams can't sign players on the buyout market. So there would be no love, no Zeller in this scenario. So you basically are saying if you do Bradley Beal at that extreme amount of money, even without giving up Hero, your team is Butler, Bam, Beal, Hero, or what we do with Hero, and then a bunch of minimums for the next four years. This is our team. There's really no way we're going to get out of this team. This yeah. is what we're going to roll with for the next four years as Butler gets into his mid-30s and beyond, as Beal goes from age 29 to age 33, as Bam gets into his late 20s. Is that something you would do knowing as good, as great as Andy Ellsberg is at making magic, you basically would be married to that core Beal, yeah. Butler, Bam, and either Hero or whatever you do with Tyler for four years. I think I, I would, and this is the reason, um, uh, as you know, Barry, next year, that second apron becomes even more punitive, right? So he'd have a window this offseason to make that type of trade. Next year, when they're, again, expected to be a second apron team, they won't be able to aggregate salaries in a trade. So this year you could attach, let's say, Tyler Hero to Duncan Robinson and get Damian Lillard. You can't do that next year. This year you could put a bunch of salaries together to trade for Bradley Beal. You can't do that next year. So this is the summer where the Heat, have to go for it because they probably won't be able to get trade for a star most likely because of their cap situation uh next off season so i think for that reason alone and you know maybe that's short short-sighted you know desperate because you know you feel like you need to do it right now before those rules go into effect but that's the reality of the situation they have to go for a home run now they have to go for one those type of trades now because next year the the options are going to be very limited I agree with you. I would love to see a four-year lab experiment of either Beal or Lillard, particularly Lillard. I think we both agree we yeah. with Hero for Beal with Butler and Bam, just to see what that group could do over the next three or four years. The The scenario of adding both, as you know, fascinates me. Yeah. But again, it's not our billion dollars. And basically, you'd be asking Mickey Harrison over the next four years to spend close to a billion dollars in payroll and luxury tax. Right. Uh, if you assemble this big four, you imagine if they want to. They don't win a championship after all that. They he pays. They pay all that money. Oh they don't goodness. win. A, I mean, that'd be again for Golden State. It paid off. I guess for the Clippers, it hasn't paid off yet, right? The Clippers, right. Have, they have not won a championship or even gone to a finals. Um, but man, they'd be if they put that team together, there'd be so much pressure on them to get a title because of all the money. Again, fans don't care, but it is reality, right? It's a it, it's no a business question. at the end of the day. Uh, there will be pressure for it for the investment to pay off that's for sure
And this and, probably that would be the least of their problems initially. Yeah. It could become a bigger problem eventually, but finding nine or 10 minimum guys to put around them. We yeah. saw how much trouble the Lakers had surrounding LeBron and Davis with talent until they got very fortunate and obviously credit uh, Rob Polinka for seizing on the opportunity to bring in Hashimura, Jared Vanderbilt, uh, G- D'Angelo Russell, uh, and Malik Beasley, right, at the trade deadline using Westbrook expiring contract, et cetera. So that gave the Lakers players of higher quality than minimums to surround LeBron and Anthony Davis. But before they got those four who helped lead them, uh, obviously the Western Finals with LeBron leading the way, before that, we saw how weak they were with yeah. an injury-riddled Anthony Davis and LeBron leading a cast of minimum guys and, with all due respect, misfits around yeah. them. So you wonder, even with a big four in this fantasy world that we're discussing, would there be enough talent on the open market to play for the minimum around them, particularly front court size talent, mm-hmm. right? Uh, yeah. Because who would come in when Bam is on the bench? Who's your power forward uh, against bigger teams? Yeah. So it's it's really, it would be such a fascinating lab project to see those four players together. But how you fill out the rest of your team would be the next challenge. Yeah, I mean, we saw with the big three, right? That first year, they had the, you know, obviously LeBron, Dwayne, and Chris, and they had Mike Miller. But then after that, it was a bunch of minimums. And they got to the finals, but it obviously wasn't enough. And they retooled and they got, you know, better a better supporting cast. But there is precedent for, yes, you can put three stars together, three or four stars together, and sometimes that's not enough if you have to surround them with a bunch of minimum players. You know, And, and, and here's one other question for you. Yeah. Say you get Beal for a Lowry-Oladipo package. You throw in Jokic, maybe the 18th pick, or pick for Washington, who they want at 18, and Lillard then becomes available. Do you at that point say, I want to go all in on Lillard and have one of the best backcourts in modern NBA history? Uh, it wouldn't be the best, but obviously mm-hmm. it'd be in the discussion of top 10 of this century. Or do you say, I'm going to hold out on Tyler for a legitimate four or five who would compliment Bam compliment, and just yeah. wait indefinitely to see if that player emerges and use your first round draft inventory and hero to get that type of player, yeah. even though we don't know who that type of player specifically would be at this point. I think it's risky only because of like what I was just talking about of next year, the restrictions on the heat, right? With trades. Great point. Um, right, you, you, you can't aggregate you don't salary. Know, yeah, you can't aggregate salary. Second apron team next year, you can't even take in more money. Right, I mean, it has right. to be kind of even. I think um, at that point, so the rules are just so much more restrictive, and you, you that that would put pressure on the Heat to find that type of power forward probably before, I guess, by the trade deadline by February. Right, they'd have to they'd have to do it by then in order to avoid those rules. So. I think if Dame is available, I don't care if you have eight guards in the roster, <laughs> you you go for it because he is again a perfect fit next to uh Bam and Jimmy. I just really believe that. So I don't know if he'll be available. It seems like there's rumblings, like you mentioned, that Portland and him might try to make it work for now. Um, but if he is available, I just think he's the perfect guy. Now but- some might say, well. If you get Beal without giving up Hero, what about Hero as part of a package for Carl Anthony Towns? But tell the audience why you do not think that is realistic. Um, I mean, Jimmy and him have a history, right? It didn't really work out very well in Minnesota. Um, so I, I, I just don't think that would work personnel-wise, right? Personality-wise. And also, Carl Anthony is very talented. Very, very talented. I just, But as the Heat say, they're not for everybody. Right. <laughs> so I just don't know if the Heat are for Car Anthony Towns. Um, 
skill wise, skill set wise, he'd be a great fit next to Bam. Um, really good complimentary player. Um, but again, I just don't see the Jimmy Car Anthony Towns partnership working at this point. And that's right. important, right? Jimmy's of you just like the Heat are not for everybody, Jimmy's not for everybody. And uh, you know, that's a factor that he'd have to consider. Yeah, well, it's uh, exciting that we have these endless possibilities yeah. sitting here just a couple of days after they were eliminated from it's, the it's NBA incre- Finals. It's crazy. It's just they, they were just eliminated. We're talking about Damian Lillard and uh, Bradley Beal. Um, before we because before we go here, I know we're, we're getting uh, toward the end. If they can't land Damian Lillard or Bradley Beal, and they can't find a trade that works to get that home run and and uh and add to the roster. The Heat are pretty limited as far as what they could do to add outside talent, right? If they if it's not through a trade, um, I just better explain to people here um, why they're so limited if there isn't a trade and and kind of upgrading the roster. Well, with this new uh, with this new labor agreement, I should say teams that are seventeen and a half million over the luxury tax line. Luxury tax line this year is going to be around 162. So teams that are around 179 million, which the Heat projects to be, cannot use exception money. So generally, you have uh, a five million taxpayer mid-level exception that tax teams could use in the past. The Heat will not have the ability to use that. I'm not sure they'd even want to use it, even if they had the ability, because of the high tax bill that would result. Yeah. So you don't have that avenue. You cannot acquire free agents via sign and trades because that would hard cap you at about 169 million. Heat's payroll already is over that, even before they decide what to do with Struess, Vincent, Love, Zeller, and Yurtsevin. Uh, so that's off the table. Also, if the Heat's over that 179 million, which they appear likely to be, they won't be able to sign a player in the buyout market. So essentially, the Heat's ways to improve this offseason are trades but trades for players who are not free agents, trades for players who have at least a year left on their contract, plus signing players at the minimum. So those are the two vehicles to improve, and that's why uh, trades are going to be the way to go. Uh, I do think that unlike last offseason where Durant seemed like a pipe dream, I think there is a real opportunity between one of these two players uh, to do something. And who knows who else is going to surface? Does as we both said, as Brian Windhorst has said, who else uh, who has watched and admired the Heat yeah. among all-star NBA players will go to their team the next two weeks and say, you know what, I think I'd be happier in Miami. Could you get me there? So this is a beautiful mystery to an extent that's about to unfold that I think invariably ultimately will land the Heat another star. I don't know if it'll happen next week. I don't know if it'll happen next month. I don't know if it'll happen in February, but it doesn't seem to you like we're heading in that direction, knowing Riley's track yeah. record, knowing the appeal of this franchise to players that ultimately we're probably going to get there. We're just not certain which guy it will be yet. I agree with you. It just seems like the forces are leading in that direction between this being like the final summer before those restrictive rules kick in and the heat having to seize on the moment now. And also the fact that they really, they don't have cap space, right? Like you said, they're really restricted as far as uh, adding outside talent, unless it's, Resigning their own free agents, right? And again, increasing their tax bill that way or through the draft with the 18th pick. But if they don't trade for a star, they're not adding a significant free agent because they can't do it through a signing trade, like you said. They don't have space. So I just think everything is kind of pointing to a big trade coming to shake up the roster. So it might not be Beal. It might not be Lillard. Like you mentioned, there's always one or two players that unexpectedly, like, become available in the trade market we've seen it year after year um so yes my last year i think i said 
I don't think a trade will happen. I, I thought it was I thought they were gonna run it back and they did. I think this year all signs point to something like the Heat doing something as far as a big trade because it's really their only option to you know dramatically improve this roster or at least improve it in a way that we we look at it a little differently than we do right now. No question. One last thought. Here's what else I think the playoff run did. I think without this playoff run, if they exited meekly against Chicago in the playing game or in the first round of the playoffs, you could have made a strong case of making change for change sake. You could have made the yeah. case. Do we think about moving Butler? Do we think about moving Bam? Do we think about shuffling around a bunch of chairs on the deck just to say we did something? Now that's gone. You yeah. know that your singular need is to add a high scoring all-star and that should suffice. I know it's easier said than done, yeah. but you don't need to have change for change sake now. You need to have one key more piece to complete a team that already has proven that it's an Eastern Conference champion and a contender. Definitely. I think high scoring perimeter player and size, right, are the two big right. needs. Um, but if you can get a Damian Lillard, Bradley Beal, that uh, fills one of those needs. And then you know, maybe you bring back Kevin Love, right? Or you. If you keep your draft pick this year, maybe you draft a big, an athletic big that helps fill that hole. So um, I totally agree with you. I think that the playoff run kind of a re, just kind of reminded the Heat and all of us that Bam and Jimmy can be a duel you can build around, right? And I think there was talk. No doubt. Whether it was from the outside and fans on Twitter of like, should, should they trade Jimmy? Should they trade Bam? Should they shake it up? I don't think that's a conversation point anymore. I think Jimmy and Bam are here to stay. It's about what can you do to build around them to take that next step and win a title. I'm with you. Uh, so I, I I guess that's it, uh, Barry. We'll have we'll have everything covered in the, for the next few days, few weeks. Uh, anything that happens, a big trade, um, player options, team options, the draft, anything you can imagine, Barry and I will have you covered. So make sure to check out MiamiHerald.com um, for all your heat news. Follow Barry at FLA Sports Buzz. Follow me at Anthony underscore Chang. Um, and we'll have you covered. Until next time.